Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Have you ever caught yourself in what I like to call the death scroll? Yeah. Wait a minute. Is this church? What are we talking about here? Is this some weird conspiracy YouTube video? Just bear with me for a second. The death scroll. How it plays out is you, you've had a crazy day at work. Your coworkers are getting on your nerves. You're behind schedule on a deadline. Your boss is wanting more. You, you need to, to get things figured out. And you're just running like a crazy person. There's so many things going on. You get home and one of your kids, they're in a bad mood and they're off to themselves or crying or frustrated about every little thing. The other one is hopped up on some kind of combination of flaming hot Cheetos and Red Bull and they're literally just running around like a crazy person. You're, you're trying to figure out what's going on, getting your bearings. You walk in, you give your spouse this peck on the lips and immediately jump into all of the things that are on the schedule, all of the things that need to get done and figuring out who is taking which kid where, when, and how it's all going to happen. You scarf down some kind of dinner either in front of a TV or in the car on the way to a practice. Everyone gets home, they take a bath, maybe they go to bed and you finally get to that point where you can sit down grab your phone and catch up on what you missed. And all of a sudden you just scroll, 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 scroll. And time is going by and you're not even recognizing it. You, you may DM your spouse a funny video that you see and somewhere in the conversation as you're on opposite sides of the room, both on your phone, you say, oh, did you see what? Susie posted and your husband inevitably responds, who's Susie? And you just have that moment and you look up from your phone and realize you've been death scrolling for 45 minutes. The kitchen is still a disaster and you say out loud or to yourself, I never ever get to just sit down and rest. Have you ever been there? The death scroll wins again. Maybe the death scroll is 45 minutes of you going through Netflix trying to find something to watch as you're just trying to veg out. You're just scrolling and scrolling. Why is there nothing to watch? There's thousands of movies and I can't pick one. The death scroll that robs us of so much. And for so many of us, we subconsciously view scrolling on our phones as a reward for a hard day. It's our reward. I mean, I worked hard. I, I dealt with all your craziness. Now I get to just have some time for me to escape and do my own thing. But somehow we always walk away more frustrated, more tired. Our eyes are burning. And we don't feel any better at the end of our death scroll. And listen, this isn't just for us young people. 
right? I know more 60, 70, 80 year old people who are addicted to Facebook than I can count on 10 hands combined. Like, it's not just a young person problem. Your news source might be your death scroll. Maybe for you, it's not your phone or Facebook. Maybe it's sitting down in your recliner to turn on Fox News or CNN or NBC and and just catch up on what's going on in the day. And before you realize it, hours are gone and your soul is depleted and your energy tank still doesn't have any more energy. We find ourselves in this place where we just don't know how to find true rest. But don't blame yourself. The Harvard Business Review did a study on our struggle to stop scrolling, and they wrote this in a recent article. These platforms are designed to trap viewers in a social media rabbit hole. They offer bite-sized content that make it easy to quickly consume several videos or posts in a row. They often automatically suggest similar content, and many of them even automatically start playing similar videos, reducing the potential for interruption. These apps are created to distract us, but not interrupt us from being distracted. Isn't that interesting? And so I want to start this series and start this new year with this truth. In a world too busy to find healthy rest, we lose more time to aimless escapes than any other generation in history. In a world and a time in our lives where we're desperate for healthy rest, it seems almost impossible to find. Yet we have all this energy for these aimless escapes. And what we've missed in all of these distractions around us is that in this walk with Jesus, we were promised true, healthy rest. True and healthy rest. Not only was this communicated to us over and over through the pages of the Bible, but Jesus modeled it for us. For someone who, who knew his time was so limited, for someone who knew that he only had just over three years in ministry itself, for someone who would change the trajectory of the world, he seemed to prioritize this promised rest so much better than we did. And he understood that without this rest, it would be impossible to accomplish the mission he was sent here for. But what's really interesting to me is that we prioritize the words of Jesus, but completely ignore his habits. We prioritize these words of Jesus and we have them all over the place and we memorize them and we study them. But we don't prioritize or recognize the habits that he taught us with his lifestyle. If the son of God prioritized healthy rest, who in the world do we think we are to go, oh, that's really nice, but I don't have time for that? Really? <laughs> we don't have time to be healthy. And so as we begin this journey to stop the scroll, we're going to be looking at a familiar passage of scripture that many of you know, but with the realization that in all of the gospels, in all of the writings, that spoke about Jesus. There's only one place 
where he reveals explicitly his heart. He communicates what his heart is. He pulls back the curtain and shares his innermost motives. And we find this in Matthew chapter 11. And then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus is saying at his core, my heart is humble and gentle. My heart is not to push you away. My heart is to invite you to come. I want to teach you, not condemn you. Jesus is saying to us, my natural instinct is to move towards your struggle, not run away from it. I heard this beautiful story to describe this. And it was a doctor who had a successful practice and he sold it all and he moved and traveled deep into the jungles of South America to help a tribe who had a contagious disease. And this doctor sold everything. He he flew in his medical equipment. He had the right antibiotics, the right medicine. He had everything that he needed because he sold his practice. He was rich enough to not have to charge any of the tribe for this remedy. He sacrificed everything in order to serve these people. And as he got there and tried to treat them and and heal this contagious disease, the tribe didn't want his help. They wanted to be able to do it on their own. They wanted to heal in their own way, with their own practices, with their own strength, with their own medicine, with their own deal. And so the doctor simply waited patiently. And finally, every once in a while, a brave soul from the tribe would run out of trying to do things on their own and they would come to the doctor and he would welcome them freely. And he would provide exactly what they needed without charge and had it all together. Now, how do you think that doctor responded in that moment that the people would show up? Maybe for some of you, you would be angry that it took this long for you to finally choose to come to me and help you when I've had this all along. Maybe you would be annoyed by the fact that The majority are not showing up for this healing that's readily available. And it's only just a couple of you. I sacrificed everything and only a few of you are actually coming. But the truth is, no. The response that the doctor had was joy. Because his joy increased every time the sick, every time the hurting, every time the broken, every time the weary came to him for help. It brought him joy because it was the whole reason he came in the first place. You see, the doctor is Jesus, and we are the tribe, desperately in need of healing, but stubbornly trying to do it on our own. 
And we assume that Jesus only wants to associate and deal with those people who are easy to deal with. But Jesus made it clear, come to me all who are weary and have a heavy burden. You see, the truth is your weariness, your heaviness, your struggles qualify you to come to Jesus. The very thing that you think would keep Jesus from wanting to love you and provide what you need is exactly what qualifies you to show up. Jesus is patiently waiting for us, communicating to us, come to me all who are weary and broken, lost. Those who are in need of rest, I am here. You see, the idea that we struggle with is that Jesus would push us away because we're not all put together. Jesus would push us away when, you know, by now, and this is honestly something that I struggled with for, for a long time. I understood Jesus dying for me on the cross and, and providing a way of salvation for me, but I always assumed that Jesus would be frustrated because now that I am saved, now that I am a follower of him, I know better and I still mess up and I still struggle. And so I would allow that struggle to keep a distance between me and him. And he's like, don't you understand? That's the whole reason I came. Come to me, all who are weary, broken, carrying a heavy burden. So how do we come to Jesus and lay our struggles at his feet? How do we find this promised rest? And I believe that it begins with us understanding and taking a holistic approach to our life. I'm, right now I'm reading a book by a Harvard psychologist about brain health and energy. It's a thrilling book, but it is. It's really interesting to see from a scientific perspective how we're wired. And in this book, he mentions Dr. George Engel, who's credited with coming up with the biopsychosocial model. And this came out in 1977. And what Dr. Ingo discovered, and, and it's become one of the prevailing approaches to counseling and psychiatry, still used today. And he understood that there were three main factors that impact our mental health and actually play into mental disorders. I have a, a slide for you to just kind of see the circles and how they, they intertwine. But he, he describes it as biological, psychological, and social. Biological from the standpoint of our bodily health, whether there's a disease that we're fighting, an infection that we're going through, something is physically wrong. That's, a, that's one circle. That's one factor in it. Psychological is, is our mental, our emotional wellness. This, this impacts our behaviors. And then the last circle that he believed was social. The interpersonal factors, things like friends and relationships and experiences and the things that we're going through. And in his mind, physically, mentally, and socially, all of these things play a significant role in our mental health. And it plays a significant role in the mental disorders people may be facing. And so he used this assessment to help discover attributes of those three different circles. What was actually really interesting to me is that there was this guy that we happen to all know who told us a really similar thing 2,000 years before Dr. Engel. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, 
As he was asked, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. I mean, is it love just love? Like, just love God. Isn't that enough? And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. You have to understand that you're a multi-level processing creation. You're wired with multiple attributes to who you are. Your nature is not just one thing. Jesus explains to them, he made it clear that we have to understand we are intricate and deep, intentional creations. There are multiple things playing into it. When it comes to loving God, when it comes to pursuing Jesus, when it comes to finding the rest that's promised, we have to understand that there are multiple factors impacting our well-being. Multiple factors that are playing into our ability to connect, to grow, most importantly, to rest. So let's unpack that a little bit. Jesus says, love the Lord with all your heart. Jesus is implying that we have to love God with our our innermost being. We have to love God through our desires, through our will, through what motivates us. In other words, our love for God should be reflected in our desires. Our love for God should be reflected in what we want. Have you ever thought about that? What motivates you? What are the deepest desires of your heart? What are those things that push you forward? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What are those things that drive you to keep going? The deeper question is, is God connected to those things? Is Is God driving it or are you pursuing, are you being motivated, are you being driven by a counterfeit leader in your life? A counterfeit motivator. That's something or someone other than God. Jesus says in order to love God, you have to love him with all your heart. He continues, he says, love the Lord with all your soul. This is Jesus speaking to our core identity who we are, our inner character, not what we do, but who we are. So it leads us to understand that our love for God should be reflected in who we are becoming. Who we are becoming. We talk about this a lot here, but if you if you secure your identity to anything but Jesus, insecurity is surely going to follow because we're securing our identity to something that is insecure. It's just not firm enough. And so we have to ask ourselves, who is, who is shaping who you are becoming? Because you are becoming someone. If you're alive, you're not just stuck in this timeline. You're not just stuck in this day and age and like, well, I'm never gonna change. I'm always the same. I am the same today, tomorrow, and forever. We're not God. We are becoming someone. Is that happening intentionally? And is that being shaped by God? To love God, it it should be reflected in who we are becoming. Are we being shaped by the pressures of life? 
or shaped by the principles of God. Who are you becoming? The last one, Jesus says, love the Lord with all your mind. Jesus is talking about our, our flow of thoughts, our perspective of the world around us. In other words, and I like to say it this way, our love for God should be the filter through which we view our relationships and our experiences. We're filtering everything. As it comes in, we're filtering it, and it's based on our perspective, our experiences, what we're looking for, what we're going through, our emotional state. All of these pieces impact our filter. But is God part of that filter? If he's not, it's going to be hard for us to love him appropriately, to love him fully, to experience what he has for us Fully, because if we're filtering in everything through a negative lens or through a lens that God is absent or a lens in which everyone else has it better and I don't have enough or a lens through I will never be enough. If, if we're filtering the world around us with a lens that is not impacted by God and determined by God, you are going to see and feel and experience the world around you in a way that is detrimental to your we have to wrap our heads around this. We are shaped by all of these things. Science tells us, as Dr. Engel shows us, that our bodily health, our emotional health, our relational health plays a significant impact in our well-being. Jesus communicates that our heart, our soul, our mind play a massive role in our connectivity with God and our understanding of who we are. All of these things shape us, and so it leads us to this truth. We cannot assume that one factor is impacting our ability to find peace, rest, and purpose. We can't assume that there's just one thing. Well, if I could just get this one thing in order, then everything else, it's, it's not. We have to take account within ourselves, and what a perfect time, the beginning of a new year, the beginning of a new season, for us to ask ourselves, where am I at physically? Oh, Lord, we, we do that one a lot, but we don't do a whole lot about it. Where am I at physically? Where am I at emotionally? Where am I at relationally? If science is telling us it's important, why do we think that doesn't factor into our connection with God? Jesus communicates and, and, and asks us, how's your heart? How are your desires? How's your soul? How is this person that's hidden from everyone else that's happening within you? How, how are you doing? And how's your mind? All of these things play a part. We have to embrace the fact that we have limitations. And we have to begin creating some healthy rhythms, and we're going to talk about that some more in this series, in order to find the peace that's promised, in order to discover this rest from Jesus. And I've shared with you guys over the last several months, the, the Lord has been taking me on this journey to understand that I have limitations, and I hate it. I hate it. I don't want to feel like I can't do it on my own. I don't want to feel like I have to depend on God or depend on someone else. And I know I'm a pastor and I'm not supposed to say that, but that's just how I'm wired. I don't want to have to need someone, but God has made it abundantly clear. Bro, that's how you were created. You were created to need. 
You were created to depend. You were created to connect. And so if you're missing these elements, you're missing these factors that are impacting your peace and robbing you of your rest, we have to take account and recognize that there are habits and, and attributes and beliefs and perspectives that are impacting the way that our lives are lived and understand that Jesus says, I've promised you rest for your soul. That's what I've promised you. Solomon says it this way in the book of Psalms. Solomon writing in, in these pages in Psalm 127, he says, if God's grace doesn't help the builders, they will labor in vain to build a house. If God's mercy doesn't protect the city, all of the centuries guarding it will circle it in vain. It's really senseless to work so hard from early morning to late at night, toiling to make a living for fear of not having enough. Don't you know that God can provide for his devoted lovers even while they sleep? You see, what I think is interesting is we love the part where we're created in God's image, but we ignore the part where he rested. We love that I am made in the image of God. Well, cool. You know what God did? He rested. The God of all creation rested. Now, do you, do you really think that God rested because he was tired? Or do you think God rested to make it abundantly clear how significant rest is to us? Did Jesus, the Son of God, 100% man and 100% God, need to go and, and sleep on a boat or go up to the mountains and have time by himself? I believe the human side of him, yes, he needed it. The God side, he could have been like, I don't need it. He did it, they both did it to model to us the importance of why we need to rest. But you see, when we refuse to rest, we communicate to ourselves and others that God is not enough. That's uncomfortable, friends, but it's the truth. When you have the inability to rest, when I have the inability to rest, I am communicating to myself, I am communicating to my family, I'm communicating to my community, I'm communicating to the people who just randomly are looking at my life that God is not enough. So I have to work from day till night, morning till evening. I have to burn both ends of the candles because if I don't, Nothing will happen. And we prove to those around us that God is somehow not enough. And it's simply not true. Our limitations are clear. We need rest. We need to lean into the arms of our Father. We need to trust that he is at work even when you're not. Our limitations are clear. We need relationship. Listen, if you don't have time for friendship, and, and conversations and accountability and connectivity with God and with other people, if you don't have time for that, you're heading for a burnout. You're heading for a moment, a crisis moment, where either in your health, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your decisions, you're heading to a crisis point if you don't have time to connect with God and you don't have time to connect with people. 
Well, Danny, I, I, I didn't make this up. It's God's word. And we see it happen every single day. The news is filled with people who hit a breaking point and make stupid decisions because they're burned out. We need to realize that there is a savior and we are not him. This one is as much for me as it is for you. You see, one of the things that were so incredible about my parents is that they were always there to rescue people who were in need. They always showed up. They're so good, but that's a blessing and a curse. Because what happened is I watched that my whole life. And then now as a, as a man, I, I can quickly take on the savior mentality that I need to solve the problem. I need to make it work. I need to, I'm not going to blame anyone else. I will take the burden of it. I will do it on my own. I will figure it out. Because if I don't do it, who else in the world ever would do it? We need a savior. But his name isn't Danny. And he isn't your name either. His name is Jesus. We have to shift out of that in our lives. The truth is, and this is such an important thing in the in this couple minutes we have left. True health is living within your appropriate authority. Stress comes when we live outside of it. That's a big statement that you need to grab a hold of. There are things that you can truly impact and make a difference in. There are things that are under your responsibility. There are things that are under your authority. But then there are certain things in your life that you try to control, you try to change, you try to handle, you try to carry the weight of that the authority isn't yours, it's God. And as we take that authority from him and try to carry it on our own, stress and anxiety follows. Jesus says, my yoke, this thing that connects me to you, it's light. It's easy. It isn't going to weigh you down. You're, you're laying down your burdens before me so that I can give you something that is lighter. The lighter is the faith and the trust that he's going to carry us. There are things that you are trying to grab the steering wheel away from God. And the reason is because you feel like he's not doing it the way that you hoped he would. But the bigger point, the bigger challenge, is that it is weighing you down with stress and anxiety because you are trying to take authority. You're living outside of your authority. So we're going to get ready and pray here, but I want to leave you with one challenge for this week. One challenge. Give yourself permission to come to Jesus. Stop believing the lie that because you're struggling that Jesus doesn't want anything to do with you. It couldn't be further from the truth. The one place where he reveals his heart, he says, this is the reason why I'm here. You want to qualify for my love? Heavy burden overwhelmed, not enough, struggling. Come to me. I am here for you. Come to Jesus. Give yourself permission to come to Jesus and find peace in your limitations. Find peace in the fact that you don't have to solve it all. 
The weight of the world is not on your shoulders. The weight of your family, the weight of everything around you. If you trust that God loves you, if you trust that he wants to provide for you, then the weight shouldn't be on your shoulders. One of the best ways that you can do this is we're, we're starting a perfect time of 21 days of prayer. An opportunity for you to make a decision to commit yourself to more prayer, to come to Jesus in a way that maybe you haven't in all of the chaos of the last few months. You can determine what that looks like, whether it's in the morning or at your lunch break or in the evening, but just carving out time to connect with Jesus. And we have tons of resources to be able to help you and just reach out to us and let us know and and we will have everything that we can to, to help you in figuring out what that looks like. But I do want to challenge you with one thing. Sometime over the next 21 days, I want you to make a seven-day commitment. Seven-day commitment to stop the scroll. I want you to do a seven-day fast of social media. Delete the app. All your stuff's going to still be there when you turn it back on. Delete the app. Maybe for you it isn't social media. Maybe it's news. Turn the channel off. Maybe it's a video game that you just can't put down. Turn it off. And for seven days, fast that escape. That thing that you turn to to just escape from everything. And what I want you to do in that time is I want you to pray. I want you to read a book. I want you to journal, journal about what you're going through presently, journal about dreaming about the future, journal prayers that you have to God. I don't have all the right words, but God, this is what I'm kind of feeling. This is what I'm thinking. Well, Danny, I don't like reading. Shut up. I don't care. We got leaders are learners, right? Listen, seven days to make a commitment to God and say, hey, you know what? I don't like reading, but God, out. I'll find a book and I'll read it. And instead of escaping to this thing, instead of getting into the scroll again, instead of losing myself in Netflix, Jesus, I want to lose myself in, in you. And I promise you after those seven days, there will be something significant that happens within your spirit that will draw you closer to God than you've ever been. Let's pray. Jesus, what a beautiful challenge you've given us. But it's actually really simple. Come to me. Jesus, you don't give us all these hoops to jump through. You don't, you don't say, hey, get yourself together. Just unburden yourself. Get your life straight. And then you can come. You, Jesus, the prerequisite to being with you is struggle. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus, I pray that over the next seven days, you would allow those words to resonate in our spirit. The rest that we desperately need, the peace that we desperately need is found in you. So Jesus, as we make this commitment with my friends, maybe they, they want to start that seven-day commitment now, or maybe they want to wait to a little bit later in and, and prepare themselves for it, buy their book, or, or get a journal, or whatever it is that they need to do. Jesus, I pray that you would give them the courage to take that step. 
And Jesus, I ask you to do something. I ask you to show up in a way that you never have before when they make that commitment, when they take those seven days to devote to you, when they turn off social media, when they turn off the news, when they put the game down, when they they get away from that escape that they always turn to. Jesus, I pray that you show up in a way that only you can, that you would change their lives forever. Jesus, I know you can do it because you've done it in my life. Show up for them as you've shown up for me. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.